Galatians since the beginning of the year, since the very first, uh, first weekend in January. We've just committed ourselves to, to, look, at, to look at the book and go, just go through it word for word, phrase by phrase, thought by thought. Read what, read what God's saying about it and then talk about it a little bit. I did a lot of talking. You guys did a lot of listening, uh, which, has been, which has been good. Uh, and for myself, uh, with uh, studying this at home, uh, there's a guy named Matt Chandler. Again, I always encourage you, if you get a chance, check, uh, check him up. Some of you have and realize that there's a, a lot more to it than, than that we've um, gone over. But there's some great stuff there as well. And you can, uh, you can do, take a, uh, a look at that on, on uh, your home time. Uh, one of the things that, I, that I've just really loved about this has been life-changing for me. Uh, a lot of times you use the words life-changing, but this is like genuinely life-changing for me. Uh, and it's been for many of you as well. Uh, in two weeks, we're going to have just a testimony weekend, just give you a chance to hopefully uh, be able to put into to words the things that have happened in your heart. And if it's something you'd like to do, something that's happened through this Galatians study, it's not like, it's not, hey, your testimony when I was three, I, you know, accepted Christ. I fell in the creek when I was five. I considered that my baptism. You know, that not one of those. Uh, but then I fell away from God and came back to him later. It's, it's what happened in this study uh, this year, what, what he's been doing as you've been sowing the word into your heart, what's been happening there. So uh, come talk to me. Send me an email. Send me a text. We'll, we'll hook you up. If you're shy but you just want your story told, we'll do that as well. So the book of Galatians, going to give you a quick recap, uh, as we always do in case you've missed some. Uh, the, the, the quick version of this is that Galatians, uh, it, the book was written just to clearly define what the gospel is, what the good news is, and what it's not. Uh, it's a full-out attack against the, uh, the counterfeits of the gospel. We talked about how there's a road with ditches. It's much better to be on the road than it is to be in the ditch. Uh, I found this out once when I was leaving Grant Dawson's place. It was uh, winter, and the snowplows had gone down the gravel road and had plowed the snow flat over top of the ditches. But, of course, they pushed some gravel over there, too. So it just looked like the, the gravel road was so much wider. And I had my little Tercel back then. I thought, you know, I'd just go uh, bust up some snow drifts. So I'm driving through there. We might be able to do that tonight, actually, if this keeps up. So, uh, but I was driving down, uh, driving down the road, and I'd zip over the snow drifts, not realizing that, that at one snow drift I was no longer on the road and pretty much, just buried my car uh, in the ditch, and I was within, uh, I was, Heidi was there doing dishes or something, looked at her house, was like, why is there like taillights sticking straight up out of the, out of the ditch, and it's like, yeah, that looks, you know, did Mark just leave? Yeah, oh, that's him. Sure enough, they came and bailed me out, but it looked like road. I was like, you know, I thought for sure it was until I was in the ditch, and that's the same thing that, that Paul is saying with the gospel. Don't, don't end up at the end of life looking at it and going, oh man, I thought I was doing the right thing. I thought I was living this Christianity thing the way it was supposed to be lived, and, uh, and then in the end, you find out that, you know, you, you ended up in a ditch and it had no saving power. That's why I think it's so important that we get what we're talking about here, is that the, the gospel alone, the good news alone has power to save. Nothing else does. And Paul was saying that it's not, the gospel is not, you know, Jesus and some good works to make sure that, you know, you do a few things so that you end up in heaven. It's not like you figured out, you know, now uh, after some time you figured out how to be, you know, morally uh, right or better than you, you were. You know, your, your story isn't this. You know, I used to lie. I used to cheat. I used to steal. I used to drink. I used to do drugs. I used to party. And now I don't do that anymore. You know, look at me. That's not what the gospel is. The gospel is not really about behavior modification. It's, it, it's about what Jesus has done 
um, in, in us, and out of that, some of this behavior modification happens, but that's not what we're celebrating. The other thing it says, it's not, not that all of your sins are forgiven by what Jesus did on the cross. You can just do whatever you want, you know, keep doing all, that, all the, the lying cheating, and you got fire insurance, you know. You're not going to hell because Jesus took care of it, and that's, uh, that's what it is. It says that's not good news, but there is good news, and the gospel is the, the good news, and it's simply this. The, the good news in its simplest form is that God did it all. What did he do? Well, for starters, he loved you while you were still a sinner. It talks about in Romans. Uh, I can give you verses for this later, but I'll just tell you what he did. He loved you while you were a sinner. He died for you while you were still a sinner, before you were even on the planet. He became sin for you, is what uh, the Bible says. It says that then the Holy Spirit convicted you that you need a Savior and you need salvation. Then he gave you the faith to believe in that, that it was true and could be saved by it. He then credited you with righteousness. He just gave it to you. You know, by simply believing in him, he made you righteous. It was something you didn't earn at all. So there's no way you can boast in it. Then he says that he judged you, but he judged you to be spotless and blameless and, and off the hook because he put that on his son. Then he adopted you as his child and as a co-heir uh, in Christ. He delights in you, the Bible talks about. He delights in his kids. It means, what's that mean? He likes you. You know, some of you are like, yeah, I know God loves me and God forgives me, but, you know, God likes me. Yeah, he does. He, he actually likes you. Uh, and, it's, and, and there's like some great uh, benefit in that. But it says also that he designed you to live in freedom and to have abundant life here on this planet. Freedom and abundant life. And it says also that he's preparing a place for you to spend eternity with him. And we, what part do we play? We are simply the beneficiaries of the deal. We simply get to receive everything that he's done simply by believing in the gospel the good news, believing in that message. Galatians 5.1, we've been talking about that a lot. It's kind of that central verse of the whole book is that it, it's, it says that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And then it says, so stay free. It says that don't get trapped up again in what, um, in what you used to be in. Uh, see, freedom is not an event. Freedom's a lifestyle, something I'm learning as I've gone through this. Because there's been lots of times where you'll go to a, you know, a meeting or a conference or a concert, and you'll experience somebody praise for you, like, oh, I'm free now. You know, I'm, I, I know it, I'm free. And you have this great feeling, and yet then shortly after, you find yourself stuck again. You're like, oh, man, I guess I really wasn't free. Wrong. You were free. You are free because of what Jesus said, but you need to stay free. That's what the gospel says. Uh, the gospel will set you free, and all you have to do then is just decide after that, I just don't want to go back to bondage. I want to stay free. It's like saying that marriage is, you know, it, marriage is the wedding day. You know, for, for most of us who are married, realize, yeah, that wedding day ended uh, that day. You know, and now, now we're into the thing called marriage where it's like, okay, you know, all the crowds there cheering us on. We're like superstars, and everybody's watching us and there for us. They're all gone. Now it's just me and her, you know, we got to make this thing work. Yeah, that's, that, 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 that's the same thought uh, with freedom is that, you know, Jesus sets you free, but in that you stay uh, free, looking to him. And then the, we looked at last week that God designed the church, this whole family here, to be a community, to be a family of believers who live by this good news. They, they not only believe it, but they live their lives based on that good news. So what does that mean? We love one another. We serve one another. We can honor one another. 
we bear one another's burdens. That's what we talked about last week. It's what we were, you know, doing here tonight and hopefully can do throughout the week. But it says you engage one another as well. When you see your brother, like, slipping into sin, being overwhelmed by it, you can speak into their life, and you have the right and obligation to do that as a family member. Why? Because you love and care about them. And he says he made this family of a whole bunch of different members, but the different members, the diversity is what's special. It doesn't divide us. It's what it keeps us united, that every one of us is connected to Jesus. Every part of the body is connected to the head. So it doesn't matter what you look like or what, you know, what uh, giftings you have or how spiritual you feel. You're connected to Jesus. And, and that's the, the, one of the greatest parts of salvation is that you get to have that relationship with him. And to do that, that every child gets the same inheritance. It's not like, you know, well, I'm going to leave this much to my favorite kids. You know, Howie and anybody, you know, named Howie, they get, you know, they get 50% to split, you know, between those four guys. And the rest of you get the other 50, you know, fight and scrap over. He's like, no. He's like, hey, everybody gets the same. You are all in the same um, spot. And the other cool thing is every one of you is a minister. Just look at the person next to you. Just tell them, you're a minister. Do you know that? You're a minister. You've got different gifts, different gifts than me. Yeah, I know, I know. You don't believe it. Tell them again. He's a minister. You see, you have different gifts. You know, yours might be like, wait, I could never speak in front of people. I could never pray out loud for people. You know what? Those get, there's different giftings, but every one of us is supposed to be ministering to one another, which means we don't have to compare ourselves with one another. We don't have to be threatened by one another. We don't have to uh, try and be better than one another. We can just be simply be his family. That only works when you actually believe the gospel. Because that gives you the identity you need. You don't got to get it from somebody else. And uh, you can just simply love and enjoy other people. And then it goes to Galatians 6, verse 6. It says this, Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Okay, so now we're going to take up an offering for me. Because uh, that's what it's saying here, uh, which would be really shady. So uh, we're, we're not going to do that. It would be pretty cool, but we're not, we're not going to do that. But Paul, he put this in there. It's kind of even awkward uh, studying it a little bit and realizing, oh, I've got I to talk about this. You know, it says, let him who is, who is taught share, share in all good things with him who teaches. Well, Paul and God were creating something here that people would, would not take it for granted that they could have people who are going to faithfully pro- pro- uh, proclaim the word faithfully teach the Word of God. Why? Because it's actually what God primarily designed uh, for the growth of His family. Not just coming to Christ. We looked about, uh, at that a few weeks ago when Pastor Eric was here. He talked about this verse that said, how will they hear? How will they call on Jesus if they have never heard of Him? How are they going to hear about Him if um, no one preaches to them? And how is somebody going to preach to them unless they're sent? Remember that? It was saying where this whole idea of, of people being rescued from the, the doorstep of hell that whole thought was that the word would be preached to them. The gospel would be preached to them, and they would come to Christ and join the family. But it also says in, in Acts 4.32 that, that what they continued to do was they continued to study the apostles' doctrine. They ate together all the time, which we did tonight. They prayed together, which we did tonight. They fellowshiped together, which we did tonight. And they, they spent this time uh, studying the word, which we're doing right now. And it says that Paul, he... Um, uh, he, was, he wanted to, to make sure that they realized, hey, don't take it for granted that you have somebody who's able to share the word. Because sometimes, uh, sometimes we give way too much credit to, to the people who it's not due, and sometimes we forget to give credit where it is due. Let me just let me, let me unpack that a little bit for you tonight. For, for instance, you know, a lot of times we've had people come to our church, and they've been here for a little bit, and they'll come up afterwards and talk to me. They're like, man, you know what? You are speaking, like, right to me. 
I felt like, like, I felt like you made that sermon just for me. It's almost like my husband called you or something and told, told you, you know, hey, uh, speak on this, and then at that point, look at, look and stare at that person, you know, and then they'll know I'm talking about them. And, and you know what? I didn't know any of that. I, I didn't know any of that. I didn't plan uh, any of that. Uh, and, and say, oh, it might be this church style. You know, this is where it works for you. This is where you understand. But there's all kinds of church styles where God speaks directly to people. You know, I've been in churches where it's like really, really, um, you, nobody talks. There's no kids. You know, it'd be really quiet. And yet, as the word is being proclaimed, it speaks to people's hearts. So if it's not the style and it's not the guy, then what is it? If it feels like somebody's talking directly to you, guess what? Someone is talking directly to you. That's what we prayed about tonight, that our hearts would be open, that we could hear God speak to us. It's God speaking straight to you. So I want to encourage you, when, somebody, when somebody's preaching and, all, and it hits your heart, thank God that he's speaking to you through them. You know, don't, be so, don't, don't get to the spot where you're thankful uh, to the person, because the credit is not due there. The credit is not due to me in what, in what he speaks to you. It's due to him. And realizing that, you know, what's really cool is that the Bible, even though it's thousands of years old, still seems to understand the heart of people today, which is amazing. Uh, it, it's the, the, realizing the word of God's been relevant for centuries, and it's still relevant today. It's like the stuff we actually talk about, we actually, it's true. Amazing. Amazing. Paul He's a tent maker by trade. So, you know, back in the day, you don't really read very often where Paul took up offerings. You don't read where Paul um, uh, uh, got money from people. There's actually only one time where he did that. But in, he said in every church that he went to, he set it up and said, hey, I'm going to leave somebody here to keep teaching you. Take care of that person. And I just want to say that as a church, uh, you guys have been fantastic with that. Uh, as uh, myself and my family, we are well taken care of here. We are incredibly blessed, and I want to say thank you for that. Um, it's, it's not even just by the church. It's been just in blessing that people uh, have um, poured into our lives, and uh, it really is a great honor and great privilege to be able to do what I love to do with people who, uh, who well, with you. Really, it is. It's uh, something that, that is really spoke to my heart when I read this and saw, you know what? And uh, not everybody has it that, that way. I just want to say thank you for that. I know that um, you are blessed as a result. But, I, you know, in this week, I've spent lots of time just studying the Word I, and praying for you guys that you would hear and understand and God would speak to you and grip your heart. But I want to let you know something. I wasn't the only one. I wasn't the only one. And so often I'll hear stuff, you know, people come up and say, talk to me, or people will send me emails or send me texts. But did you know that this week, that, you know, the people who are doing the weekly Bible studies here were doing the same thing, spending time just preparing for you and preparing the Word, the, the word of God, spending time to make sure that something would uh, affect your heart. Do you know that uh, tomorrow morning our kids' church workers, some of you are here because you're going to be down there. You, you guys have full-time jobs, and yet you spend the time investing in, in your free time, which is, which is amazing. Uh, the guest speakers that come here or your CR leaders, they've been spending time in the Word hoping that it's going to uh, uh, touch your life. All these people are doing this, you know, in their spare time for the cause of the gospel. And I want to encourage you to think about those people for a minute and to think about this thought that you would share good things with them, that you would honor them, that maybe you're going to hook them up with a Tim card or like maybe a Tim Hortons car. You know, who knows? Maybe, you know, if you're in that tax bracket, go ahead. That's, That's not me, but it might be you. You know, and if you're like, well, I got no money. Words do an incredible amount 
You know, if you send them a card thanking those people who are teaching your kids that they're helping them to know God, to, to say, I want to encourage you with that. You know, it says that, that thought, let us share together in this. Let us share all of that uh, kind of stuff together. Then verse 7, Paul says this, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. And um, he, Paul says this, Don't be deceived, which... It's basically a wake-up call saying, you know what, what I'm about to talk about is something that most people will think they understand and they think is true, but really it isn't. It means that you're believing something that's not actually true. And it says that God is not mocked. You know, the word mocked, it's, it's actually the only time it's used in the, in the whole Bible is right here. And it says you can't turn your nose up at him. You can't pull a fast one on him. It's not like April Fool's where you can trick him. Uh, April Fool's is like one of my favorite days. Uh, I love... Um, I love the chance to play practical jokes on Beth and my kids. So this year, when Beth came, uh, down, uh, came into the kitchen, uh, right away, she's terrified of spiders. So it's like, oh, spider, spider, spider. And she's, ah, 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 hold me, right? And, and, and kill it, kill it. And I'm just like, ah, April Fool's, April Fool's, I got you. And she, she looks at me with those eyes. And I know when I get those eyes, I'm in big trouble. Um, I realized later that she got me back way, way worse. She got my kids in on it as well. You can ask her sometime about that. But uh, she definitely uh, she definitely wins at April Fool's. But the whole thing of it, it was like that was the opportunity to pull a fast one on her. You're allowed to lie, and it's not, not a sin that day. But um, she, uh, you can't do that with God. There, there's no fooling him. There's no, like, uh, the one day that you get away with something. He says this, whatever a person is sowing, Whatever you are sowing, right now you're sowing something. Right now you're reaping something. You're reaping, your life right now is a result of the seeds that you've sown in your past. Today you're doing those two things simultaneously. You're either sowing right now with an attitude of, man, I want this word to to, uh, check my life and change my life. Or you're sowing with this thought of, oh, when's it over? I got to get out of here. Both of those are going to reap uh, fruit in your life at some point. And your life today is a result of what you either allowed in, in, into your heart or what you're intentionally putting in there. So he says, God's not mocked. Whatever you sow, uh, you're going to reap. You're always going to harvest what you plant. People think that they can sow to their flesh and not reap the consequences. Nobody would say that. Nobody would say, you know what? I, I think that I can go and be a knucklehead and nothing's ever going to happen to me. They don't say it, but they live their lives like that. That's exactly what they believe. For instance, they'll sow anger, unforgiveness, and bitterness into their marriage, and then the prayer request will be, God, fix it. They, don't, they can't understand why all of a sudden they're reaping a, a marriage that's on the rocks. Or they'll, they'll sow laziness and stealing and a toxic attitude at their job, and then they're praying for jobs every week because they keep getting fired. God, fix it. You know, they'll sow la- um, busy, busyness or legalism or anger with their kids, and they're like, okay, God, they don't respect me. I give them back to you. And he says, I gave them to you to raise. You will reap what you sow, is what he says. Don't think that this is, don't think, don't, um, he says, don't be deceived. Don't think you can do something and it's not going to come out that way. But the good news is you sow good things in your life. You will also reap from that. You will also reap from those things. Galatians 6 verse 8 says the two kind of uh, opportunities to sow. And he had talked about it in in chapter 5. The whole idea of the spirit and the flesh. He says this in verse 8. It says, For he who sows or who is sowing to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. Just stop right there. Because one of the things that I think that happens often as as a church and in our faith is we look at the situations that happen in our lives and we think that God is judging us somehow. 
I, I want you just to look at this verse. It says, he who sows to his flesh reaps from where? From where, though? From his flesh. It doesn't say he who sows to his flesh reaps from God judgment. It says he who sows to his flesh reaps from his flesh corruption. Corruption, that's not like government corruption, you know, where people are being shady. The corruption is the word decay. It, it actually means dying and decaying. That's what you're reaping uh, from sowing to your flesh. I was going to put a picture of a zombie up there, but there's children here. And there was, I can't find a, like a, a, a safe version of a zombie. But that's kind of what your life looks like. It's like you're walking around the, being the living dead. You're alive, but everything in your life is dying. Your relationships are dying. You know, there's no joy, no happiness in your life. Why? Because sowing to the flesh is the greatest lie that there ever was. The lie that you sow to that and you're going to reap good things, it just never happens. Uh, it's like we talked about the train tracks. They lead to destinations. You sow to the flesh. He says, this is what is going to happen. He says, um, so he says, if you realize you're, you're going down a road, you're sowing to the flesh, and you realize, I'm going to reap this, and I don't want that. That doesn't mean turn around on the tracks now and be like, okay, I got to get back to square one. I got to figure all this kind of stuff out and get back to here. And, and then, you know, I'll be good with God. He says, don't even try it. We've already learned you cannot do any of that on your own strength. He just says, get on new tracks. Just start a whole new, um, a new set of tracks. How do you stop reaping decay in your life? How do you stop not by stop sowing to the flesh, by start sowing to your spirit. You're sowing all the time. You're the one who gets to decide what that's going to be like. The Bible says he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. That means when you begin to focus on Holy Spirit, he sows into your word, into your life, uh, life abundant and everlasting life. The word Zoe, that's the word for life, and it means absolute fullness of life. Uh, Jesus knew that when he came. Because he said to people, remember this, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I came that you would have the fullness of life and have it all the time in abundance. That's what he's saying when he said, if you believe the gospel, believe in me, that's what's going to happen in your life. And as the truth gets sown in your heart, it transforms your life. It's, he didn't say, try and stop doing this. He just said, sow the truth into your heart. It will transform your life. The, the scripture confirms scripture. You know, Jesus said this, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You will know the truth, and truth will set you free. The truth will set you free if you know it. Um, Romans 12, verse 2, it says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But that, it says, this is how you're transformed. It's by renewing your mind. And we've looked at it before. Walking in the Spirit, sowing to the Spirit, is setting your mind on the Spirit. Romans chapter 8 talks about that. And because by, by doing that, by setting your mind on truth, you'll know it. And, and you will uh, you will be set free. So you know what? My, my challenge to you tonight is decide. Decide to begin sowing seeds, different seeds, into a different area, uh, into different ground. You know, you don't just wake up one morning and all of a sudden you're spiritual. You don't wake up one morning and all of a sudden, you know, you're like, uh, you know, uh, you got a beer gut and whatever, and then you wake up the next morning and you're like jacked. It doesn't happen. You have to actually, you know, there's, yeah, there's no, there's no sermon that's going to just do it for you. Think, you know, uh, one day I'm going to be spiritual. If I just keep going long enough, one day there's going to be that sermon that just does it for me. It's not going to happen. It's the same way as this, that, that it takes work. It takes working things out. Same thought we had with freedom. It's not an event. It's a lifestyle. The same way that you're set free is how you stay free. Uh, you need to keep choosing to live the truth of the gospel every day. It's like learning a language. You know, going to Guatemala with Grant. He's been there like seven years. He knows three words. You know, Josh is, 
Jo- but here's the truth. Josh has also uh, been to Guatemala and trying to learn the language. He's like, man, it's kind of slow. You know, you hear these guys who've been down there for like seven years. They speak it fluently. What happened? One person decided, I'm going to learn this language. I'm going to use it. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to study it. I'm going to work it out. And I'm going to learn Spanish. And they can speak Spanish. But for those who don't do it that way, they don't all of a sudden wake up in Guatemala and go, whoo, donde esta? Yeah, hola, mi nombre es Marcos. Buenos dias. Donde esta el baño? You know, they, they, don't, uh, they, don't, they don't talk like that. Huh? That way. He knows. See? Good call. The bathroom. That's what I was looking for. Good morning, everyone. Where's the bathroom? That's, I took two years of Spanish. That's what I know. Uh, but but you got to work it. And it's the same thing with spirituality. It's the same thing. But I want to encourage you with this. Tiny seeds turn into huge trees. You think about the acorn. The small amount of size that it is, yet given time, it becomes huge. So how do you sow different seeds in your life? Paul said it. You know, start with the Word. But start small. You know, what would happen if we just decided that we'd read the Word for five minutes a day? You know, reading Daily Bread devotional or reading one verse. You know, not reading the Word like it's the newspaper, but reading it and saying, how do I get this, how do I get this in me? How do I ponder what's here? Maybe taking one verse like Galatians 5 verse 1 that, that, that just simply said uh, that it is for freedom that Christ has made me free. Just thinking about that. It's for freedom, just the chance to be free today. And that Jesus has made me free, which means I'm already free. And to think about that for a little bit. And then it says, and now stand firm. So you don't fall back on that again. Okay, what, I wonder what he means by stand firm. You know, you begin to think that through. and You begin to process that. Well, pretty soon it becomes part of your heart. You're like, you know what, man, Christ made me free. So when you face something in life that's a temptation for you, wait a second. No, I'm already free. Christ has already made me free. And you begin to sow that small thing into your life and start realizing that this book, these words, have the power to change your life. You know, you can read the newspaper, it ain't changing your life, just make you miserable a little. But it's not going to actually bring change in, in your life. But this book can. It says meditating on it, allowing the Word of God to get in you. Gatorade had that thing, you know, is it in you? My question for you, to get in the Word, is the Word, is it in you? What about prayer? You know, what about not, not just asking God for, for stuff, but simply taking maybe 10 minutes a day to say, you know, 10 minutes is not a long time, but say 10 minutes saying, God, what do you want from me today? What's the direction of my, my life uh, in your eyes today? God, help me just to set my mind, set my, set my sights on you, that, that as I go through today, that I would be looking and seeing this world through your eyes. And starting out about that, you know, don't get up at 5 a.m. and say, today I'm going to pray for two hours, because by 5.15 you'll be like. <laughs> and, and, and it's just, but what if we just started small, those small things grow into huge things? What if you um, decide just to study and read a little bit you know, different books are, that are about the Bible. You know, sowing the seeds of the, of the good news into your heart. And, and, you know, for us, for me, it was like realizing it only happened when I began to study Galatians. I've read it a hundred times probably. Okay, seven times probably. But I've read it a lot of times. But something happened this time when I read through it. Why? Because I studied it. I allowed myself to just to, to spend more time, merely, not just merely reading it. You know, what if we spent 15 minutes a day not a long time. Small seed. Let me tell you what happens, how those small seeds become large trees. And it's, it's just simple math. 
Do you realize that if you did that five minutes a day, taking one verse and just breaking it down in your heart a little bit, you'd have 365 verses memorized in your, in, in your heart for Holy Spirit to draw on when he needs? Man, that would be a lot. That's like better than Bible school. You know, maybe if you spent just a, a few minutes, 10 minutes every day in, in prayer, you'd have 60 hours of intentional uh, direction of God in your life. Wow, God directing my life. And that's just in that own small time. And you know when you say, well, I don't read good. You know, I, I never learned how to read well. Well, you know, even if we said the average person reads 250 words a minute, let's just say we're below average, okay? Let's just say that we read 200 words per minute, you know, grade five reading level. So you're, you're reading at that, at that level, and you're reading 200 words for, per minute at 15 minutes. I know it's math. Do you realize that you would have read 14 books about the Bible? based on 80,000 words being in a regular book, you'd have, spent, you'd have read 14 books in a year just learning and, and getting deeper into the Word of God. So what does it tell us? It simply tells us if small seeds can grow into those big trees, and they're not big trees in our life right now, it simply says that we've got either some type of idolatry going on in our life, or we don't value the Word of God, or we're, we've got something that's messed up that we can't even put the small seed in there. So my, my, my challenge... An encouragement to you is that you are the gardener of your own heart. You're it. You're the gardener of your heart. You can have a garden that's full of weeds. You can have a garden that's full of life. The Bible talks about it. Guard your heart because out of it come the issues of your life. You got issues in your life? I'm telling you, they came from in there. You got issues in your marriage. You got issues at your job. You got issues just in life. They're coming from in there. And, and, and the gospel can set you free to deal with those things. I just want to finish with those last two verses, Galatians 6, 9, and 10. Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we'll reap if we don't lose heart. He's talking about that whole sowing, reaping deal again. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are the household of faith. What's Paul talking about here? Well, let's just go backwards instead of going forwards through this, because he says at the very end, especially to those, do good especially to those who are of the household of faith. Who's that? That's people sitting next to you. That's those Christian people that you love. You know, the ones, uh, he says, do good to those people. He says, especially to them. But, that, but what does he say before that? Do good to all people. Do good to everyone. What is that, that means like that neighbor that I don't like? Yep. Yeah, that means that person at CR who's really tough to love and they just take all the time. You know, they, 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 they do all the talking. It's like, uh, yep. You know the ones who are so self-absorbed, you'll do something for them and they never thank you? It's never good enough either. You know, yeah, do good to them. Yep. The gospel sets you free to do good to them. You know, the, the gospel sets you free to do good to those who are going to need help tomorrow. You know, you lend them 20 bucks and tomorrow they're asking for 30. Do good to them. Yep. The Bible just talks about using wisdom, and I want to say that too. Use wisdom in doing good to others. You know, if Holy Spirit prompts you in your heart, all of a sudden you, you feel like, hey, I should do something for this person, do it. Like the 10-second rule, do it and do it right away because Holy Spirit's nudging you to do it. You know, but maybe if it's one of those ongoing things where you're doing something for the same person over and over and over, begin praying about that. God, how do I really help this person? Is 20 bucks a day helping them? Or do I need to help them figure out how to get a job? Do I need to help them figure out uh, some of those kind of things? Because there's a difference between enabling and helping. The Bible just talks about the fact, though, that our doing good is not to do good to those who can do good back to us. We're not supposed to give, you know, 50 bucks to the person who's got 50 million because we know they're going to, like, turn around and give it back to us. Or we're not supposed to do good to the person who's going to be so thankful they'll be sending us cards on the monthly anniversary of, thank you for taking me out for coffee. You know, you get a card every month thanking you for that. He says, don't, don't do it just for those people. 
He says the gospel sets you free to do good and don't get tired doing it, which means that it's pretty easy to get tired doing it. Sick and tired, you know, but the Bible just says, it says uh, don't grow weary in doing good because in due season you'll reap. If you what? Don't lose heart. What's that mean? If you don't give up, if you don't, if you don't pack it in, it says if you don't see results right away, don't give up. You know, you plant seeds and they're not there yet. You know, it's like we, you, the, the tulips are coming up, but this stinking winter never goes away, so there's never a flower. Every day I look out there, don't give up. You know, I'm not going to mow those things down yet because I know spring's coming, and if I don't lose heart, they're going to bloom. Same with this, sowing the word into your heart. Maybe it's for relationships. Maybe it's for finances. Maybe it's for uh, whatever it is, healing, that you're putting just the word of God in you. Don't give up because it says in due season you'll reap if you don't lose heart, if you don't give up. You know, the, this is the cool thing about the gospel. It sets us free to really live. And out of that really living, you know, you'll live life to what it was supposed to be, abundant and amazing. I can tell you that the things that have been changing in my life as a result of it are just, it just brings a lot of peace, a lot of, a lot of joy, a lot of just, uh, you know, those, that, the, the good vibes in life that, that so many of us look for. And it was just simply sowing the good news, his good news, into my heart and my life. I want to encourage you with that tonight as well as Paul would have to the churches of Galatia uh, back uh, a couple thousand years ago. May that resonate in your heart. May it just uh, be something that, you know, it reads your heart tonight and speaks something to you. You just take home and say, okay, you know what, I'm starting there. I'll start small. I'm going to keep doing that until I, until I see, you know, the fruit be, being uh, born or barren or whatever it is in your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your word. Uh, Jesus, above all, thank you for salvation, for giving your life for us, uh, for, for loving us when we were not lovable in our eyes, but you saw us, God, and you, and you gave your life for us, and you gave us your word. Uh, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you put in each of us again just of that value for, for the words of life, that you would uh, continue to... to just draw on our hearts to continue to sow to our spirit. Uh, I pray uh, right now the word spoken tonight that as it's settling in hearts here, uh, I just rebuke the enemy from trying to steal that. Uh, God, I pray that uh, as they go from this place, they would continue to sow and continue to water that in their life and out of that they would see the same fruit that I've seen in mine. Uh, thank you for this amazing group of people. Thank you for blessing us with them. Uh, Lord, thanks for calling them to be a part of your family and to be a part of the family here. Uh, Lord, I pray you bless them as they go out and shine this week for you. May they be a light and bring a, bring a difference and a change to wherever they find themselves. Uh, all for the glory of your name and for the glory of your kingdom. It's uh, in, in your name we pray tonight, Jesus. Amen.